Welcome to Cleveland's newest and Cleveland's best sports podcast. This is Two Guys in a Mic with your hosts Ron Pierce and Sean Davis. Let's go. Welcome everybody to welcome everybody to another edition of Two Guys in a Mic. I am one of your hosts, uh, RP. And I'm your other host, Big Sean. How you doing, RP? I'm doing okay, actually, man. Um, you know, it's always good in, in, in Cleveland Browns land when we are above 500 after three games. Generally, we are not, but this season is a different kind of season. We got a different kind of attitude, so I'm, I'm happy about what's popping. How are you, man? I'm doing okay, man. I can't complain. I mean, I can't complain, but complaining won't change anything, so I choose not well, to we'll do it. still be in the same spot. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But, but I mean, but in, 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 you know, in all fairness, you know, I'm good, man. So good. You know, as long as you, as long as you above ground, you got shelter, food. Yeah, man. You know, Still got an opportunity to fix all whatever's wrong is, and correct right. whatever's not right. You know what I mean? Exactly. So exactly. Uh, here we are uh, going into week four. Uh, as I, as I, uh, mentioned earlier, we are in week, you know, just past week three, and we're two and one uh, in a first place tie. And I only say that because I've had some people say some disparaging things about the Browns because they don't like uh, a certain quarterback that we have that's starting. So they're like, oh, we, you know, if we had a better quarterback, we'd be three and oh. Maybe, or maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. We, we you just don't know because I've I've watched a better quarterback quarterback a pretty good team and they're one and two now. I'm talking about Patrick Mahomes. Right. So and he threw a pick at the end of the game last week that basically ended their opportunity to take that game back. So good quarterbacks do make mistakes. Great quarterbacks do make mistakes. So what's I always question, and, and Sean, you'd probably be uh, one of my guys that I would go to and ask this, what designates what people consider great, good, et cetera, when it comes to a quarterback? I mean, I think what it comes down to in Cleveland, or, or pretty much probably with every city, um, every city and their team and their quarterback, you put your quarterback under a microscope. So you're micromanaging. You're looking at every single throw. He misses a throw that he should have completed. Oh. You know, how could he miss that? Um, he makes a mistake. Oh, how could he do that? Tom Brady wouldn't do that. Or Mahomes wouldn't do that. But when you watch them, you know, they're not perfect the whole game. I've seen Tom Brady stink it up. Three I watched Tom Brady stink it up against Miami, like in a regular season game. Yeah. I've watched you know? Russell Wilson stink it up three yep. quarters. Now, what those guys do do, you know, when it's time to make a play, They'll make a play. So, and it's also people, you know, when we drafted Baker Mayfield, half the city didn't want to draft him anyway. I didn't you know, want they said, I'm into the Johnny Manziel. I was one of them. Right. So, so you have a segment that want to be right. And it's, it's a lot of people, that's just human nature sometimes. Like, okay, I didn't like this guy. And every time he does something yeah. I don't like or mediocre, it just proves that I'm right. I want to be right. Me personally, I don't necessarily have to be right. I used to be like that. I don't have to be like that anymore. Like, I'm a Cleveland Browns fan, so whoever we draft and bring in here, good. I want them to succeed. Even if I didn't want them 
Yeah. At that time. Anybody they bring in here. I want the they well, they're here now. Let me get behind their, you know, behind their back yeah. and let's root them on. And and hopefully they'll be successful. It's like good, bad, or indifferent. I'm a Browns fan. Uh, we've talked about this on the show uh, a lot. I didn't want Tim Couch. I didn't want Johnny Manziel. I didn't want Baker Mayfield. I could easily say I was right about two of the three. But to me, ultimately, when we're not right, as a Browns fan, we are all in a bad spot. So it don't help us. Right. It's not about pointing out how right I was or how uh, <clears throat> how correct I was. Sometimes it's about, you know, this is my team and I want the best for my team. So even though I was wrong or right or whatever, that doesn't equate to what's best for your team. Let me tell you, let me tell uh, you and everybody else, uh, one of my favorite players, nobody would ever think this about me. Uh, I was in San Antonio when they drafted uh, Tim Duncan. I did not, you know what, I, I had the most disparaging things to say about Tim Duncan. I, I didn't think that Tim Duncan was going to be a good basketball player in the NBA. I knew he was a good college player. I didn't see that translation into the league. Right. And how wrong was I? How wrong was I? Completely and totally wrong. So that's what I mean about you still root for your team. So you don't ever know. I didn't want Tim Couch, but what if Tim Couch turned out to be uh, John Elway? What if Tim Couch exactly. turned out to be, um, you know, a Ben Roethlisberger type of, you know, somebody who's going to bring us two Super Bowls? You don't know until they get here. And I've seen worse quarterbacks than Baker Mayfield win Super Bowls. Yeah. And we all know that there are worse quarterbacks. Some of them are commentating right now, telling people what to do or what not to do. Exactly. So I'm fine with Baker. I, I just threw that out there early because I've seen it. Um, and, and we're only in week three, by the way. Baker doesn't have bad numbers right now. Baker is no, not at all. And the thing is, like, okay, if you don't want Baker – who do you want? Who do you want right now? Case and the thing, you think Case Keenum is the guy, right? And the thing that I refuse to do is have any rational conversation with people. Even like last year, <laughs> people were like, uh, "Look, Joe Burrow's doing this, and so and so's doing that." And I'm like, yeah. "Man, I'm not about to have that yeah. discussion." Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not going there. We're not doing this irrational. <laughs> Yeah, I'm uh, not like, having a rational conversation. But, but we've always been in love with the other quarterback. And that comes from just us. I think we're just scarred. Because we because, because, because we've had, yeah, because we had so much bad quarterbacks throughout our history. You want yeah. our guy to be perfect. I remember when we when we had Tim Couch and the Lions drafted Joey Harrington. I remember some my coworker, like, man, see, look, 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 look at Joey Harrington. He's doing this, that, and the third. Bum. You know what I'm saying? He he's the same place that Tim Couch is. Yeah, Achilles Smith. Harrington. Remember, Achilles Smith had one and a half wanted, games. You guess know. what? I wanted um, what's the kid that Philly drafted from uh, North Dakota? Uh, yeah. Oh, Wentz. 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 I wanted Carson Wentz. Yeah. But guess what? How how was that actually working? You see what I'm saying? We can all be wrong, and we and and we got moments where we're all right. But nobody right. gets it completely and totally right. 
including Bill Belichick, including the Browns, including Bill Parcells, including right. uh, uh, Bill Walsh. All these guys have gotten it wrong at some point. And Just that's why. Right at some point. Right. And that's why I hate giving draft grades. I hate that because you don't know. Yeah, like, you don't know until it all happens. Also, when it comes to rookie quarterbacks, either they crown them too early or they call them a buzz too early. You don't know how that's going to turn out. You know what I'm saying? Because it, it depends on the organization they go to. Yeah, you know, coaching staff. So if you got a bad, you got a bad like that, you got to wait a little while before you. And really we had start. bad organizations. Uh, you were one of the first people to say anything positive about Tim Cox. You said, "Man, it was just a bad spot for this kid." I ain't saying he was going to be great, but come on, we 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 he yeah. had. A bad if you go back and you look at you look at those rosters back they then, man, he had like when well, he, he had like Leslie Shepard as a receiver and David Patton. And uh, remember, Chris Abdul's in the backfield. It was just bad, man. Well, I agree. It's, it's a lot of it falls onto uh, onto you know the organization and what the development of the organization is. And we've had poor development of players our entire existence uh, since we come back, should I say? Um, so it's always a setup. It's always a situation where which we're trying to develop a quarterback, but we're also trying to develop wide receivers. We're also trying to develop defensive linemen. We're also trying to develop right. a linebacker. You know, we're always and, trying to develop. And, and if you notice, too, you notice players are leaving the teams they get drafted by early and earlier now. Used to be a guy gets drafted, okay, he's going to be with that team at least four or five years. Now, you know, Players are like, hey, this situation this ain't, you know, this is not the right spot for me. Like, this sucks. And I, or, I, I or, decided or, that it sucked earlier. So right. I'm done when my four years are up. Or, or the organization, I mean, look, I was like, okay, we drafted the kid. Maybe he ain't the right fit for us. And they go somewhere else, you know, and they do okay. Yeah. You know, it's Absolutely. all about fit, culture, chemistry, man. You know, so. so. Let's. Let's kind of d uh, dive in. You know, I, I kind of started out with my questions, which is rare. We usually kind of work our way into that. But let's <laughs> let's uh, move into this uh, week four matchup, because to be completely honest, this is the best game and the best team that we've played since week one. I agree. Uh, complete, complete team uh, in the Minnesota Vikings. And it's even tougher, not because we're playing a solid team, but we're actually playing a solid team in a, not that this matters, but it's a beautiful stadium. That stadium is beautiful. And I haven't seen it in person, but the pictures that I've seen for what they are, the Vikings, it looks like a damn Viking ship. Dude, that is awesome. Like, that's an awesome looking stadium. And it's a loud stadium. So we're on the road against this team in this new stadium. The Browns have a tough task in front of them because basically they're looking in the mirror. Um, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, because what these guys do are very, it's very similar. Uh, for those of you who don't know, one of the reasons that it's very similar to what we do, uh, being the Cleveland Browns, is because Kevin Stefanski came from that organization with that head coach, with that leadership, with those uh, offensive-minded folks of high efficiency offense 
It's the exact same thing that we do here, pretty much. And if you look at our numbers, Kirk Cousins, to me, is the most mediocre dude that's ever played football. However, he is great in the regular season somehow. He always just kind of manages his way through the regular season. Um, and right now, Kirk Cousins is playing out of his doggone mind uh, with what he has. He has something like eight touchdowns, no picks. No turnovers. No. Uh, damn near 300 yards a game, if not over 300 yards a game. I mean, he's he's balling right now in terms of the quarterback. Um, and that's very similar. He has a high uh, quarterback rating, somewhere around 100, 120. So he's playing really well. But guess who else is doing similar things? Bake. It's almost the same offense. They almost have the exact same ideology and how they approach the game. Um, so this is going to be an interesting game, bro. Um, give me, give me your thoughts on how you, how you kind of dissected the game or how you think about the game going, uh, going forward. Yeah, I agree with you. This is our toughest test since Kansas city. Um, I really don't feel really good about this game at all. And for, you know, for several reasons, um, Minnesota is, uh, they're one and two. So they're coming off a win against Seattle, um, 30 to 17, and it could very well be three and up. So they lost the openers in Cincinnati in overtime. It was a tough loss. They really should have won that game. And then they lost by one point to Arizona. Um, up in, you know, up in, in, in Arizona, they lost, what, 34 to 33. Right. Um, which is a very, very close game. So they could very well be 3-0. and um, They got a lot of firepower, man, from Justin Jefferson. You got Thielen. I'm not sure if Dalvin Cook is going to play, but if he's healthy, you have to worry about him. You know, solid defense. Um, and the thing that worries me about coming into this game is that, like, three of our offensive linemen are on the injured list. And they will probably play, but they haven't been healthy all year round, and it's showing. From week um, one. Yeah, from week one. Because yep. Baker is, is under a little bit more duress than he usually is. Um, Dredrick Wills is really not healthy at all. Bro. He may not even really should be out there right now. Let me, yeah, thank you. Thank you for saying that, bro, because I was thinking the same thing. Uh, I actually made this, and I just want to interrupt you real quick. No, you're I, fine. I made this comment to uh, someone last week. When you weigh over 300 pounds, an ankle injury ain't the same as when you weigh 120 pounds. It's not quite the same. Like, everything that this guy does on the edge it's predicated on him being pretty much, you know, capable at his joints and every other angle. You know what I mean? So when one of your one of your wheels is bad, right? And, and you can tell that he's been off. Like how many times has he? And he's only played, you know, uh, a year and some change. How many times have you seen him? Miss a snap count and dude just goes past him. And he just stands there. Like, yeah, he's getting he's getting beat a lot. Um, and also, and, and what that's doing is what I noticed um, is giving Baker his little antsy back there in the pocket. He's not skittish, but he's let he may let the ball go a little earlier than maybe he needs to. Um, I went to the game against Chicago, and I saw in a couple of throws we had some guys wide open. I think he was anticipating pressure, 
and let the ball and you know throws that he would normally connect on and he was letting it go a little bit too early he was overthrowing the passes um mm-hmm. i watched Jedrick will specifically he was laboring the whole game after every play especially if he ended up on the ground you know he was sitting there for a while you know kind of huffing and puffing and somebody come help him up and get him up so and then Chicago has a good front seven anyway. Yeah, and they gave us some yeah. problems. So yeah, they gonna that's, beat Chicago that's beat my main concern coming into this game. And also, Minnesota is one of those teams the Browns just don't play well against historically. Historically, yeah. Um, yeah. we've played the Vikings 16 times and they've beaten us 12 times. I didn't know we've only beaten the Vikings four times in our history. Yeah. Um, so it's just one of those teams historically. We, we play close. They don't blow us out. I mean, every time we play Minnesota, it's never a blowout. It always comes down to, you know, like a last second field goal or something like that, last drive of the game. Um, I expect the same. It's going to be very intense. I think the Browns are going to want to show up for the coach. And then Minnesota needs this game. They, they can't have- drop. That they can't yeah. drop one and three yeah. um, in that division right now. Yeah, you go one and three in this division. Now, here's the plus side. Honestly, <clears throat> honestly, I believe that Minnesota might be the best team in that division. But you're absolutely right. You could be the best team in that division, but you don't want to be one and three in that division going into your fourth, uh, your fifth week, rather. You don't want to be, because hell, if we were one and three, everybody in the doggone NFL would be saying that we're, we're a bust already and right. it's 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 because of the expectation these guys are playing really good ball so that's why i'm trying to put that out there i don't want this guys that oh yeah we should go up there and whoop you know whoop on these guys the truth is that this is a really good team uh they're a well put together team and that we should respect these guys when, when you hear the browns talk all week about how decent these guys are I don't think that they're talking out of their ass or trying to make Minnesota feel better. I think this is the truth. Right. You know, I think that this team is a, is a really good team that should be respected and that we have to pay some attention to and, and really prepare for. Um, and I agree with you. I think, you know, the three guys that, you really well shoot. I say the three guys because the one guy was hurt last week. But the three guys that you know we have to pay some attention to, you know, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, and Tyler Conklin are uh, their tight end, or or they're you know you got to pay these guys some attention because they get a lot of targets and they make a lot of actual receptions off those targets and they just spread the ball around it's crazy to see a team that spread the ball around like that and then you start looking at us and we're like damn we spread the ball around a lot too yeah we do so um, also you know for the mention that we're down greg Newsom in this game too and we're down greg Newsom. yep so i mean and that and that sucks but it doesn't suck because now we get Here's, here's my thing. Greedy Williams needs to step up. And we've been saying that since we drafted him. And he yep. didn't get an opportunity for that. And we kind of gave him, you know, an L for losing 
that battle with Greg Newsom. That's not a knock on Greg Newsom, but to us, it's kind of a knock on Greedy. Because, right. you know, we thought Greedy Williams was supposed to be this guy. Now Greg Newsom comes in as a rook and basically takes your spot, homie. So this is an opportunity for Greg Newsom to show his worth, show his wares, and, 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 and let us all know that he's worthy of, you know, being a starting corner in the NFL. Um, but I expect him to see a lot of action. Like, I expect to see whoever's on that side, you know, they, I think they're going to give him those looks. I don't think they're going to try Troy Hill. I don't think they're going to try Denzel as much because I, I think they see the weak link being Greg Newsom. If that makes – I mean, I'm sorry, not Greg uh, Newsom. Uh, I'm not just saying. Williams. Right. Pretty Williams. So – it's a it's a it's a process, and you know, I think that we will. My my personal belief, I think we can win this game. I think we will win this game, but we cannot make the mistakes on defense that we've been making uh, between week one and two. Like week three, we there was a kind of a, a weird game. That's an anomaly. You ain't gonna get. 16 hits on the quarterback. You ain't going to get uh, nine sacks. You know, that ain't, that's an anomaly. That those don't, those things don't happen often. There's a reason that the most sacks you ever see in a game is like seven. Right. It just like from one person. That don't happen that much. And Miles had a chance to get seven sacks last week. He did. He had he a sure chance did. to get seven sacks. He missed. And, no left three sacks. And you know what? I think that was the best game of his career. It was. And that's that's what? that's the Miles Garrett that we want to see, where it's not about him just getting the sacks, but you just a disruptive force the whole game. He hasn't had he he's had a few of those games. Yeah. You know, like some games, you know, there's been games where he's had three sacks in a game, but he wasn't disruptive the whole game. Yeah, it wasn't that it wasn't that kind of a game. Right. Where every time you looked up, you just saw 95 flashing somewhere, causing right. a problem. And let's it, hope Joe Woods keep this up now. For the first three weeks, for the, for the first two weeks, he was vanilla on the scheme, everything. I, this week, he was, move, he was moving Miles Garrett around, lining yep. him up with, with, with uh, Jadavion on the same side. He let JOK kind of do his thing, press coverage. You know, we were smothering them the whole game. Now, I know you can't do that with everybody, but going against Minnesota, okay, we know they got firepower, but let's be physical the same way we were with the Bears. The Bears are a physical team, and we were physical with them. Let's keep that and, same that same energy, you know, against Minnesota. Browns, I mean, excuse me, and and the, the, the Bears are in the same exact um, division as Minnesota. So I agree with you being physical with guys because I think that's one of the more physical um, divisions in the NFC is, you know, the North with uh, uh, Chicago, with uh, Minnesota. They play, they play pretty, pretty hard ball other than the NFC uh, East. They play hard ball. They, they, they bust, they, it's all about uh, smash mouth football. That's how we are in the AFC North. It's smash my football in the AFC North. You better be physical. You better be fast and you better be physical. 
and the AFC North. If you're not, you're not going to win. You got to out-physical guys. So I agree with you. Um, we have to bring the physicality. And I saw some of that physicality last week from uh, adding JOK, oh, excuse me, uh, yeah, JOK to um, the starting lineup. I think we need to see more of him. That dude was all over the place last week. But that's why I wanted him, because he's one of those guys. He's an right. all over the place. And not just like a, a dude that's all over the place and you don't you don't know why he's there. This dude is an all over the place kind of guy, like a, similar to, I don't want to give him, I mean, these guys are Hall of Famers, so I don't want to overplay this hand. But he's a guy that's all over the place. Like, you know how sometimes we used to watch back in the day when we would see Troy Palomalo when he was healthy? We would say to ourselves, yeah. God dang it. Like, he it's him again? Even all you saw was his hair flying in the wind, like all yeah, over the field. Yeah. And that's what I feel that this kid can actually be, Sean. I really believe this kid can be that kind of a guy, especially when he's healthy. And I understand he has to understand how the game is played. There's a reason that he ain't been on the field a lot. So I don't know why he, you know, wasn't or what actually happens in, in specifics. But what I saw out of him last week for like literally for three or four plays straight, I saw the best football out of one of our linebackers. This dude was all over the place. Out, this dude was all over the place. So it was great to see. It was awesome to see. I thought. It yeah, was awesome. it was. It this was good to see the defense being aggressive for a change. And, and that's what I mean. Like, I think, I think the other part of that is I think that they allowed uh, Chicago did something wrong. They allowed their guys who weren't that good to begin with, their offensive linemen, to go one-on-one -on -one with some great players. That was a mistake. Yeah. Because they didn't chip. They did not chip. Trust me, in this game, oh, my man getting chipped. <laughs> Miles, Miles is going to see a tight end. He's going to see a running back. He's going to see all kind of people coming at him. And yeah, Kirk and, and I hope like nine times in, uh, this weekend. Yeah, and and hopefully when that happens, okay, you're gonna do that. We'll bring pressure from the other side. And that's and you listen, know. I don't know if you heard that sound clip from what Miles Garrett said. Miles Garrett said that that he was angry and he gets frustrated at his teammates. Yeah, I He's saw like, that. When I get tipped. That means they done took a whole nother person out of the damn play. Where mm -hmm. the rest of my guys at? I'm taking on two or three dudes. Where y'all yeah. at? Yeah, I saw, I saw that. And that's real tough. He got criticized for, for saying that too, but I knew what he meant. But why, how you gonna criticize him for saying that? Like, for real, did you have a problem with that, bro? No, not at all. I mean, because- Because he wasn't saying it maliciously or anything. He didn't, uh, he wasn't throwing anybody under the bus specifically. He was just, he's really just saying what we're all saying. You know, like who else is going to step up to help him out on that other side? Well, you know what? So, okay. but, you, know, you know what though? Real quick. <laughs> yeah. on, on real quick. We also said though, 
that the defense was going to take a little while to jail. Absolutely. Because they had all, all the new pieces. And now they got injuries already, yeah. you know, with guys, you know, going in and out. So to be fair, you know, we did say the defense is going to take a little while to come together, you know. So, so and I agree with that. And, and a lot of these guys were – they weren't capable of practicing early on too. Some of these guys were hurt, right. hurt early on from camp. They, they, they never had the opportunity to practice together like the whole team. So week one, week two were the first couple of times that these guys thoroughly, fully got together, right? Right? Yep. So, and that's okay. So, but when you're you, kind of your preseason is the first two weeks of the season, it's going to take you some time. And we're okay with it taking some time. I'm okay with it taking some time. So I'm 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 giving Joe Woods some time. I've been hard on Joe Woods, but I'm giving Joe Woods some time. The thing though is I listen, man, I don't care if Miles was being malicious with the statements. <laughs> he was correct. He was right. Listen, bro. Everybody's focusing on me. If I take on five dudes off the offensive line, you mean to tell me y'all can't make a, a tackle for a loss? Right. You mean to tell me you can't get a a, a, a pass defense? You, you can't do that? Then what are you here for? And I'm here to tell you what. As a Browns fan, as a guy that basically makes – a piece of my living and interrupts my friends' uh, pieces of living talking about the Browns, I need to hear that from somebody. I need to hear that from somebody on that damn team. Miles Garrett is the only one brave enough to say that. He said, man, listen, I'm playing against one of the best le uh, left tackles in the league. He was talking about the week before, and mm. I'm getting sick. Don't nobody pay to see me get tipped. They pay to see me go one-on-one -on -one against this dude. I get paid too much money for this. He gets paid too much money for this. But y'all putting two and three other guys over here for me. And then these guys don't make a sack. These guys don't get a pass defense. That's an issue. And I am yeah. thoroughly 1,000% in this dude's bag with that one. And I don't care what. You know, he... And you know me, man. The other problem we have in Cleveland is we we are the hardest cats ever, and then we turn into the softest cats ever. Yeah, you're right. You, it makes it makes absolutely no sense at it, all. How do you do both? How you mad at people right. for leaving or for not wanting to be here or for not wanting to do this and people who don't play and all this stuff? But then when somebody comes out and challenges their teammates, they're like they're like, oh, well, why would he say that? That's just that's hurtful in the locker room. You can't have both. Uh, I'm pretty sure if he said that in that press conference like that, it's been said in the locker room already. Uh, actually, Malik Jackson said that Miles came to them and said that to them before he ever even gave that press conference. So it's already been said. So what are we mad at? Y'all mad because we... I agree with you, uh, Sean. 
Sean's been saying this for a long time. I'm, I'm advocating for my homie over here. Browns fans are so bipolar. We don't know whether we're going or coming. And we say whatever is happening in our bipolarness. Like, oh, why would he say that? It's going to mess up the locker room. No, it's not. Hey, you know what I noticed, to too? You know what I noticed, too? It's like as bad as the city talks about Odell, when Jarvis Landry went down, everybody is like, oh, we kind of need Odell. So during the pregame introductions, Odell got like the loudest cheer out of like everybody. You know what I'm saying? I was like, man, y'all been talking bad about this man since he's been here. And he hadn't really done anything crazy. All he did, the first year he was here, he played all 16 games. Had a few hiccups, where, you know, wearing the cleats and stuff like that. But for the most part, some of that stuff was bullshit. Right. On, on the refs, though. Yeah, exactly. Not blaming him, but you know what I'm saying. Things yeah, that brought yeah, attention to yeah. him. Yeah. And last you. year, he got, he got hurt. And then everybody had to say, oh, we're better off without him. You know, and he kept his mouth shut with that. And now when you when you when you know you're down a receiver, you're down the heart and soul of your team. Now it's like, oh, you know, I hope Odell plays. We need Odell. I'm like, man, y'all <laughs> like, come on. It's like just, just stop. <laughs> yeah, which side are we gonna be on? We are the potentially the most bipolar uh, uh fan base. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say. Well, we really don't need Odell. Um, yes, the hell we do. Exactly. Like, we don't, you know, blah, 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 blah. And uh, then coming up into this week, you know, well, we lead up to the Chicago game, the whole narrative changed. It was like, is Odell playing? What have you heard? Is, is, is he going to play Sunday? I hope he's showing you know? up. I hope Odell plays. You know. Listen, <laughs> you, listen, you can't, you, everybody knows this. You can't go to a, 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 a knife fight you can't show up at a gunfight with a knife, right? Everybody knows this. Odell Beckham might be one of the best guns you've ever had. Why do you not want to show up with your best gun if you're going to a gunfight? Odell Beckham may not have all the numbers that everybody looks for. He may not have an attitude everybody appeases to. Talent-wise, there's nobody on that team that can do what Odell Beckham does. There's no one that has the foot. There's no one that has the hands. There's no one that causes the fear. Jarvis Landry is the next guy. So, you know, the sharp fall off after those two guys. So if you don't have one of those two guys on the field, the next closest is DPJ. To me, yeah. Talent-wise, I'm just talking about talent. Running around, getting open, using your hands, tapping your feet, beating these guys off of, uh, you know, the corners off of, and the, and the safeties off of certain stuff. You I have agree. to be a certain kind of a guy to be an Odell Beckham type of guy. This dude is, this dude is gifted. And I'm not just saying that because he plays for us. I'm not just saying that because I hope he rubs the genie of his earlier years when he's getting 1,300 yards and uh, 15 touchdowns. I'm telling you what I know and what I see because I've watched football for a long time. 
there's no reason for me to just suggest that this dude is any good just because he's on my team. This dude is incredible. And I also like the fact that they didn't force the ball to him. They um, did everything not. came within the rhythm I, I, of the game. I want to touch on that, and we're going to touch on that in a second. We're going to touch on that in a second. But here's where I think that the Browns have an advantage in this game, in this particular game. Because we talked about the offenses already. I believe that the Browns have an advantage in this game when we're on offense and the, the uh, uh, Vikings are on defense. Because I don't think that the Vikings defense is as good as our defense can be. Okay. So last week, uh, Seattle ran on them when they felt like it. Carson got uh, decent yards when he wanted to get decent yards and when Russell Wilson decided to run, they, he got decent yards and he wants to. They didn't play the run that well. And that's kind of a running thing for them. <clears throat> they don't stop the run that well. Well, guess what? We do really, really well. We run the ball well. So I think that we have an advantage there. Number one. Number two, they really don't stop the pass that well either. Not that they're not, they're not awful, but they don't. Like, who do they have? I'm just going to ask you off the top of your head. I know you know. But who do they have that scares you? On defense? Yeah. They got guys that are good. But yeah, who do they have that scares you? Nobody. Nobody. So I think that we can do what we do better than they're going to do what they do better. That's my, okay. that's my position. Now, that doesn't mean that we will win the game. Because we all we all know that execution and whatever the coach decides, you know, whatever the uh, the game plan is or whatever he decides in that moment. Here's what we can't have: we can't have uh, us going for it on fourth down and us not not knowing the snap count and us not knowing the plays. Yeah, that was those, weird. Like I, I'm noticing. Play. Yeah, I'm, I'm noticing. Um, more uh, mental hiccups this year than we did last year. Absolutely. So um, hopefully they get that cleaned up. Because that's not very um, Stefanski-like at all. Like, that's not that's not his, his MO, you know, to have plays like that, man. So um, I think a lot of this is just going to come down to the health of our offensive line. Um, you know, if, if we go in there three, three guys down, that's going to be a hell of a task to scheme something up. But stranger things have happened. Um, I do like some things that I'm, you know, I'm uncomfortable with some things and some things I like. I'm uncomfortable with the, with the offensive line, the way they've been playing. But I'm very comfortable and like the way that we're integrating Kareem Hunt into the offense a whole lot. Totally. Totally. Um, right now, um, he might be the most dangerous offensive weapon that we have. He's running. He's he's running. He's playing angry. Well, he that has dude, a chip on his shoulder. That dude is like a bull in a china shop, man. He just yeah, like he he gets the ball whether it's on the on the screen, uh, whether it's on the check down, whether it's on the handoff. Once he gets the ball, he's 
it's like, hey man, all bets is off. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, he hitting he hitting uh defensive linemen, he's hitting uh safeties, like just straighten them out. And then and then you think you're gonna get a clean hit on them, and you just kind of get the like this waste kind of thing. He's right. just like fucking you off. You know, like that. Yeah. I think I think that Kareem is one of the more important parts. And I, I wanted Kareem to be more of the offense last season. I thought he should have been more of the offense last season. And I think uh, Kevin is, is starting to put him as a part of the offense as we keep uh, moving forward. Like, he's too hard to, to defend. Now, now, tell me this, though. Do you think – do you think – that we should have more uh, two back sets where you got Kareem and uh, um, on the field. Depends on what you're trying to do to that play. Um, I don't know, man, because um, – you know, the way the Browns offense is kind of predicated, especially when you run the ball, they like to have an elite fullback. Um, and, uh, or, you know, a tight end, you know, as a lead blocker. So I don't know. So, like, you put both of those guys in there, are you automatically signaling a pass? Are we? Uh, in that case, well, yeah. I mean, I mean, do, do, do you want Kareem or Nick Tubb lead, lead blocking well, on a run play? Not necessarily. However, if you got them both on the field, here here I am as a let's say I'm a middle linebacker. I'm not big enough to do that physically, right. but let's just say I'm the middle linebacker, and I see the both of these guys and they spread out. Man, what do I who? What do I do? I'm looking at I'm looking at my weak side guy. I'm looking at my strong side guy. Like, hey man, <laughs> somebody. Somebody got to grab one of these cats. I might, I might even be turning around looking at safety. Like, yo, we got to do something with one of these guys. And I agree with you. You may not want to have Kareem Hunt blocking for for Chubb. And I damn sure don't think I want Nick Chubb out front blocking for Kareem Hunt. So it does make sense. I always just feel like it's, it's an imbalance on the field when you got the both of them on the field. And they may but, be saving it. They, they may be saving that, you know, for later on in the year. Because um, the beauty of what's happening now, like Chubb is still averaging something like four and a half yards, five yards of carry. And he's not even gotten going yet. He ain't got going at all. I at mean, all. This, dude is, this um, dude is just banging through the season. Like right now, he's right. just banging through the season. Right. So um, I remember, you know, last year and even this year, you know, we said run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Um, and here's where I'm gonna try to get into Fancy's head right now, especially when you when you're using analytics. Um, with analytics, not even analytics, just football. Period. Running back, especially in today's NFL, tend to break down a lot sooner, especially towards the end of the season. I'm willing to bet a little bit of money that the reason why Chubb isn't getting 25, you know, 30 carries a game is just for preservation. Um, oh, and now that you got Hunt, and now 
And now what you're doing this year is you're giving Hunt before last year, Hunt was getting maybe what four or five carries a game. Now he's up to man, like almost 20 touches. I was just getting ready to say he's getting between between running and, and receiving. He getting he getting about eight and eight right now. Yeah. Um, so when you look at the total amount of rushing attempts between the two, it almost equals out to almost about 30 total. You know what I'm saying? But now, if you're not overloading one and the other, keep a guy fresh. Um, yeah. Or if somebody goes down at some point, which one of them probably will miss a game or two at some point. Okay, now you can be the bail cow, but you're fresher because we ain't using you like Derrick Henry. Right. You know, like Tennessee running Derrick Henry. I mean, I haven't seen this since like Earl Campbell. <clears throat> Back uh, in, in, in 79. Yeah, yeah, this dude is getting like 30 carries a game. And that's what I don't want them to do. As much as we love watching us run the football and love watching Chubb and Hunt run, I'd rather do it this way and have them ready for the playoffs. So if you need it, you get a bad weather game or something like that. When these guys are fresh enough, when you, when you need them to do it, you have that option. Because you notice every time, every year with Tennessee, you know, Derrick Henry got about 8,000 carries and get to the play. He don't do nothing in the playoffs. I mean, absolutely <laughs> nothing. He, he got 8,000 carries. <laughs> and he's, been, he's done in the play. He didn't do anything in the playoffs. And Tennessee is still oh. doing this. You went and got Julio Jones. <laughs> and you got A.J. Brown. And, still, and you're still look, running, and still running. Derrick Henry. A.J. Brown is hurt, though. Now A.J. Brown is hurt. How they ain't done nothing? <laughs> Probably because he's blocking downfield. <laughs> right. So, and, and that's kind of to your point that you were saying about having both of these guys hunting and, and uh, Chubb on the field at the same time. Do you want this dude downfield blocking for, for this guy? Like, so yeah. How does that play out for the coach? If you remember when when, when K two. Uh, back in the day, got hurt on that. Uh, he was on the hands team. Oh, and broke his leg? Yeah. Leg. I remember they, that. They took uh, whoever the coach was at that time. Who knows who the coach was? Pat Sherman or somebody. I don't know. But he got fired, I think. They caught so much hell because in their mind, everybody's mind was like, why would you have K2 on your hands team? You hear right. what the team that was on the field. <laughs> it was the right. hand. <laughs> it was right. the guy that had the best hands in the game. It wasn't, it wasn't no regular kickoff. It's not like you had him on regular special team. It's the hands team. So you have to understand. It's a lot of cats that don't understand football. Then there's a lot of cats that are just so emotional. Uh, I don't know if you guys uh, have watched this podcast beyond uh, what we're doing right now, but there's one of us that's been way more emotional than the other. <laughs> I wonder I'm who that say, is. I'm not going to say no names. I ain't going to point to nobody, and I'm not going to point out anybody. I'm not going to rattle nobody. However, go back and look at the tapes. Somebody has been way more emotional than they needed to be at certain points in time. So, I understand the 
rationale where people get like that. What are you doing? Because it happens. It does happen. You get a little bit frustrated as a fan because you don't understand how your best player, because at that time, K2 was our best player. How does your best player end up in those types of situations, right? right? But ultimately, it boils down to the coach's call, and it boils down to what the situations suggest. And as Browns fans, we need to just chill. I think that we're in a good spot right now. I think that as we look at this game coming up, I think we're in a good spot. I actually think we're going to walk out of this thing 3-1. and It's going to be a tough game, but I think we're going to walk out of this thing 3-1. Um, okay. I, I'm still not feeling good about it. I'm not I'm not feeling great think, about it, bro. I think, I think Minnesota's the I didn't want to cut you off hmm. when you said yeah. that earlier, but I agree with you. I don't feel – I don't feel great about this game. Like I'm, I'm. If I've been skittish in any game, if you want to call it skittish, this is the game that I feel a little bit skittish about. Because this is that game that we yeah. can mess up, or you know, no matter what we think. Because you know, cause, cause, cause I don't feel that even though the Browns are averaging like what twenty nine points a game, twenty eight yeah. points, I don't think we're clicking yet. We're not. We're it's not. still no, no, and that's crazy to even say that because in years past right. when the Browns wasn't clicking, he was averaging 12 points a game, like literally, like 12 points a game. And now, even when they're off, and I guess if you really want to play devil's advocate, that would probably give you, should should give us a reason to be more optimistic it about should. the game because just like, okay, we're not clicking, but we're still putting up points. So when we do click, you know. But here, here's my question to you, and I already know the answer. I know the answer already. But I'm going to ask this to you because somebody might listen to this podcast and say to themselves, ask themselves this question. So I'm going to ask you the question that I think people might have. So when's the last time, as Browns fans, that we felt positive coming out of a year that we had some good stuff happen the year before where we didn't feel skittish about what was getting ready to happen. The only year in, 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 the, in the current and under current iteration of the Browns was coming out of that 2007 year going in 2008. I thought that we were going to light it up. Um, you bring right. back everything. I thought I, I thought we were going to the playoffs definitely that year. Okay, and I agree with you on that. So now, let me ask you this. Let me, let me be more specific. When's the last time after being successful in one year that we actually lived up to the expectation of what we thought? Oh, was given the that sense, sense that the, the, the early, you may be late 80s, Late 80s, year went back and we ended up going back to Denver. Right, right, right. So what I where I'm going with this, folks, is it's been a long time for us, the long-suffering Browns fan. It's been a long time. So it's hard. It's hard for us at times to, to gather ourselves, to be realistic. It's hard for us to not be emotional and also 
as Sean would clearly point out on many, many, many occasions, to not be bipolar and think to ourselves that, oh, we're doing too much. We need to, you know, pull back and not think that we're that good. Right. We yeah. Are, that, that, that's kind of like like that low self-esteem thing kicking in. Yeah. You know, because yeah. it's funny because we're sitting here worried about the Vikings and you probably listen to their radio or it's, it's probably somebody in Minnesota and Minneapolis doing the same thing we're doing right now. As they and, they're probably, and, and they're probably worried about the Browns. They're probably like, man, they got Chubb, they got Hunt. They come there with Odell, yeah. Baker, they got Miles oh. Garrett, you know, so. Absolutely. And that's what I'm, that's where I'm going with this. That right. was the entire point that I was getting at. Like, bro, we are clearly uh, one of the better teams in the NFL. Like, and I, I had problems with this going into the season. People are already saying that Stefanski is like one of the better coaches in the league. I don't know that I buy that yet. Not because I don't like Stefanski, but that's pretty early to give. Right. Dude, after, after a year and a couple of games. Yeah, yeah. This dude is this dude is, is coached 19 games. Now, I can't give him and one playoff game. I can't give him that cachet already. Especially when I watch a guy that I don't necessarily root for, Mike Tomlin, he's just now being called a, a really good coach, like a really good coach. Right. But they don't hold him in the same esteem as they hold certain other coaches in the league. Like, this dude get this this quick? Let's relax. I like Kevin Stefanski. I got my issues with him. And again, if you want to go back to find out <clears throat> the emotional person uh, between the two of us, you'll hear some things that have been said about Kevin Stefanski that you have to actually even consider because he's not been perfect and he's admitted as much. One of the reasons I like this guy uh, because he's been uh, open. Uh, he's been very clear that, man, I, you know, I made mistakes last year. I need some stuff. I, you know, I know some stuff I need to fix, blah, blah, blah. That's hard for a coach. That's hard for anybody. Period. That's hard for a person in general to say, man, I mess up often and I need to work on myself. Who says that to themselves? Not many people. This coach says that. So, uh, you know, I got nothing but love for uh, Kevin Stefanski. And I think that having him as a coach, I said this last year, I'll continue to say it. Having this guy as our coach, I think we're just going to keep winning because we have this guy. Now, I don't know that he's the guy that's going to carry us over that threshold of getting to the Super Bowl or winning a Super Bowl. However, I think we got our best shot with this guy. I agree 100%. So, so let's, I'm going to take this guy and I'm going to roll with this guy. And I'm going to give yeah. him grief. But that don't mean I don't like because I give him grief. Because I give my brother's grief. I give Sean grief. But guess what? I love these dudes to the end. And I'm always be there for them. So it's the same thing with with, with Kevin Stefanski. So, okay, I'm so real quick, real fast. Yeah, yeah. Tell me, because I've been hearing this a lot here recently. Everybody was a little bit up in arms during the week about Baker and OBJ. They felt like Baker was targeting OBJ 
because he had nine targets, five catches, 77 yards. People were like, oh, here he goes again. He's targeting OBJ. I didn't hear that. Well, I haven't listened to the radio all week, really. I listened to it on purpose because of that. Just people just being silly. I was at the game, and at no point in time did he force any throws to Old Delta or anybody in the stand sitting around me to say that at all. Um, so I don't know what they're what they're getting at at all when they say that. Just because he gets targeted, really nine targets during a game for the one receiver really is even that many. So it's not a lot at all. Just people just they got to find something to gripe about. So listen. Let me let me point out the targets that Kirk Cousins had last week. Justin Jefferson had 11 targets. Adam Thielen had nine targets. Tyler Conklin, eight targets. Now, if you go to other teams and look at who their number one guy is or the guys that they depend on the most, I'll guarantee you that their numbers of targets are similar to those numbers. Right. So when you have a guy with talent, when you have a capable receiver as a quarterback, who the hell else are you throwing to? Exactly. Devontae Adams, you think Nigga, do you know how many times freaking Aaron Rodgers threw to Devontae Adams in that game last year? He uh, had to have at least about 17, 18 targets. It was something ridiculous. Come that's on, all, that's the only dude he was throwing the ball to. Come on, bro. Come on, bro. Come on, bro. Speak. Please speak. So, I don't know, man. It's, people got to find something to gripe about, man. You can't, like, the Browns won, and it pretty much dominated and that's, Chicago. And that's where yeah. I was at, bro. And I, I had to bring it up because it was irritating me. But I knew I knew what you was going to say. Or should I say, I, I can't say I knew what you were going to say. I knew that you would have some level of, of irritation about it. Like, what are y'all talking about? What, are you, Bro, how many... Go back and look at the targets that Jerry Rice got from uh, Joe Montana or Steve Young, please. And they weren't even monitoring targets back look, then. Or Rich Gannon when he was in uh, mm-hmm. damn Oakland. Please go look. Because when you're good at what you do, they want you to have the ball. Exactly. That's just... They're just that's common sense, man. That's football. That's the like, like receiver that we have talent-wise. You guys need to get over that shit. Yeah, it's a difference between targeting the guy and forcing the ball. I mean, you forcing the ball. That's when you. That's when you have an almost interceptions. Um, when guys not open at all, you throwing in the triple cut. You know, doing stuff like that. And he didn't do that really at all. Um, in that game against Chicago. So and that's not what happened last week. It's not, not what, happened. what happened at all, man. So let's go ahead and make our predictions real quick. I'm gonna go uh, Minnesota 31, Browns 28. Oh, look at that. Look at that. Sean decides that the Browns are going to lose this game. But it's, yeah, I think this is the first time I picked against them in a while. It is. It is, actually. And, and it's, it's going to be a tough game because it's on the road. 
So it's not like what you're saying is the worst damn thing ever. Uh, if you really look at it, you know, you don't even have to look at it in the back. You just look at it. It's just not the worst thing ever. So I'm picking the Browns. I think we're going to win this game 27 to 26. It's going to be a close game. It may come down to McLaughlin making a field goal or two. Um, but I think we're going to win this game. I think we're going to walk out of here with a tough, tight win. This might be our first tough, tight win. And I think this will start because we go on the road and get this tough, tight win. I think it's going to be the start of us. Like, boom, okay. boom, stacking wins. That's That's – how I see it. So I say the Browns 27-26 in a real close game. Because, uh, again, as you can see by what both of us picked, this game could go either way. Right. It, it, it's just one of those uh, situations. I think the Browns so, are favored by two and a half. I think Vegas got us favored by two and a half. And we, so. both, look, and we both stay right within that right within that window. Whoever puts some money on this is going to win some money if you put our numbers in there. Um, so let's move forward, not because we don't love the Browns, but let's move forward real quick to Ohio State. Ohio State has Rutgers coming up. Um, here's, 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 here's something that's happening right now. Uh, Travion Henderson, last season, uh, Sean and I, if anybody watched the show last year, Sean and I had issues with. Ohio State's running game. One of us completely and totally hates uh, one of our running backs who uh, I will leave unnamed, Master Teague. Um, can't stand him and doesn't like his running style. The other one of us feels like, while I don't hate, did I say I? I'm on bad. I ain't mean I. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> While one of us doesn't hate the guy, I do absolutely agree that that running style doesn't work for us. We are a number of things in Ohio State. We're like running back you. Uh, we've been defensive end you. We've been cornerback you. We've been a wide receiver you, especially recently. But again, one of the things we've always been known for is really good running backs. Go back as far as the 60s and 70s. So we always churn out a guy that is incredible in terms of running the ball. Last year was one of those rare years. This year, Travion Henderson is turning into a surprise to a lot of us. I didn't, I didn't have any expectations of this kid, but he's turning into a monster when he gets the ball. Mm -hmm. um, and I think going forward that it gives us, us being Ohio State, it gives us an opportunity to uh, win this game against Rutgers. I don't think that Rutgers is a good run defense, and I think that we will probably walk out of this thing with and or without uh, Stroud playing. We should walk out of this thing. Yeah, McCord had a pretty good game yesterday. I mean, granted, it was Akron, you know, but, you know, a good game was a good game. I would not take that away from him. But, um, 
Um, yeah, I think Ohio State should win this game. It's at Rutgers. Our defense still is going to be a problem. Rutgers is not a bad football team at all. No, they're not. No, they're um, not. They hung no, in there with Michigan. Michigan kind of jumped out on them, but they kind of climbed back. Only lost by seven. Um, in Michigan on the road. So, and Greg Chiano's back in charge, so he's getting that program kind of rebooted again. So, yeah, Greg Chiano's Ohio State guy too, coming back in. So, um, actually, I mean, it's at Rutgers rather. So that that's going to be a tough game, man. It's, I don't, it's going to be tough. We should be okay. We're starting to finally click on offense now. Uh, we're running the ball steadily, effectively. Um, got good receivers. Just the defense just worries me still. I don't think that defense is going to get any better throughout that. I just don't think they have the personnel They're not. to be better. You, you, you made a statement earlier in the season uh, what are we? What are we in week five now? And uh, like that. yeah. So, so Sean made a, a comment, and this is why Sean is one of my, you know, closest uh, uh, go-to's when it comes to sports. Because Sean always makes astute, whether we agree or not, his commentary or his thought process is always very astute. Um. He said to me through text message, we don't have a single professional player on defense for the first time in I don't know how long. And he's absolutely correct. It's one of the reasons our defense is off. We do not have a first round pick, a second round pick, a third round pick on that defense. Not a single solitary one. Not right now, no, we don't. And, And once he said that, it literally made me go look because of the type of person I am, not to prove Sean wrong, but it, it it brought up curiosity in me. So it made me go look like, who are these guys? And I literally finished my research like, yeah, who are these guys? Like, yeah, none no, of them. No, no Bosa. There's no Bosa. There's no Chase Young. There's no um, Dante Whitner. There's no... Ain't Chris no Gamble, Denzel Ward. There's right. one of these guys that you're going to take the whole, the whole goddamn uh, 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 New Orleans Saints uh, DBs are from Ohio State. So, again, we're not seeing any of these guys, any of these guys whose games translate to the NFL and I don't know that that's a, a something that's a factor of 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 earth I don't know if that's a factor of brand day like I'm not sure whose fault that is right I'm not 100% sure whose fault that is you know, and it I'm could just be you know it, it happens to a lot of teams you had that that one year or really Going back to last year, when you just don't recruit well for a year or two defensively or offensively, and you have those little lulls, you know, and hopefully, you know, they'll get it back together. Um, Look at the point spread. Ohio State is favored by 15. Now, that sounds like a lot, but usually when we play at Rutgers, they're favored by like 35, like 40 points. So, So even Vegas knows that Rutgers is not the same old Rutgers. And actually, by only having them favored by 15, 
Man, hell, they they're, they're giving them a punch the same old Ohio State. State. Huh? I said they also know that we ain't the same old Ohio State. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they're, they're actually giving Rutgers the puncher's chance to win this football game. Yeah. So now I'm going to go – I think we know the running game that we have right now. I'm going to go Ohio State. I'm going to go 35-20 over Rutgers. Thirty-five twenty. Okay. I think I'm gonna go thirty-eight to twenty-four. Okay. I think we should still pull this out. Uh, again, we're still playing. We we still have more four-star and five-star guys than Rutgers does. We should still pull this out, but you cannot overlook how tough this team is going to be. I think Rutgers is a tough team. I think Greg Ciano is a, a red ass, and he's always going to have that squad ready to play. There ain't nobody coming in there just walking over them guys. And even though we may walk out of there with a 15-point win or a 14-point win, ain't nobody coming in there with a 14-point win and ain't nobody feeling feeling them. So it's right. gonna be a tough. It's gonna be a tough game, and it may look ugly early, because again, I just don't buy into whoever we have running our 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 defense. I do not like our defense at all. I don't like our scheme at all. I don't like what we do defensively. I don't like where we are defensively, and it sucks because that's one of the first times I probably ever had anything that critical to say about. Right. It used to be, you know, we had to rely on anything. We used to rely on our defense to hold us down while the offense was struggling or trying to figure stuff out. Now it's like the exact opposite. Like we got to score 45 points. Yeah, to, like, like we can't have, we can't have the issues on offense that we've been having. Yeah. Know? And, and the rest, of, and the rest of the big 10 is getting better, man. Iowa's getting better. Oh no. This um, is what was going to happen, bro. Penn, you know, Penn State is getting better. Yeah, this is what was going to happen. You know? Like, when we when we got Urban Meyer, and Urban Meyer set the standard for Ohio State. So, when, 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 when Tress was here, it was still old school Big Ten football. We were, it was all kind of small ball, but when we get to the big game, we couldn't compete. We didn't have the speed from edge to edge. So now Herb comes. Now he gives us that edge from, from side to side. We also got down the middle speed. We also got guys that, listen, we never had five receivers that were capable when they got to the league. Not before Herb, not too many before Herb, should I say. Right. Not too many before Herb. Herb shows up, and now we got developed wide receivers. You got starting wide receivers right now in the NFL that went to Ohio State. Not just one or two of them. You have defensive ends that are starting and are monsters. Herb brought all of those guys to Ohio State. Right. So it changed what we were because he gave us the speed. He gave us the side, the lateral speed that we didn't have 
he gave us the depth that we didn't have. Every year, we just had another dude that was capable of replacing the Bosas. You had Nick. I'm excuse me. You had Joey. You had Nick. And then you had Chase. Like, what? Yeah. The, what? What? Who does that? All these guys in succession. Three of the most so, dominant defensive ends in college football. Come on. You know, and, now, and now, yeah. guess what? They are all dominant defensive ends in the NFL. So, Herb brought that culture here. That new age, we're fast enough, we're big enough, we're strong enough, and we can compete with anybody we want to type of. Herb's downfall was JT. Uh, <laughs> yeah, his Lord did JT Barrett for whatever he just, reason. He just wanted JT. He loved JT, and he just rolled with JT. That was Herb's downfall. It wasn't defense. So we had that, and now we don't have that. And when you said that to me, it literally, it almost took my breath out of me because we were texting. I looked at the text. I, I read that text about 13 times. I just kept looking at it like, damn, he right. God dang. This some bitch right as hell. <laughs> like, we don't have one dude that's going to get taken in the first four rounds. Now, probably, Ron, when the, when the combine happens, somebody will test out well, and maybe Man, somebody shoots up, you know, whatever that happens. They're not getting picked in the first four rounds. I'm just, I'm just looking at it for what you said. I know you right. said it out of, at the time, you probably said it out of emotion. No, I was, when I was being rest. dead serious. No, I was being no, serious. Were, no, no, yeah, I was dead serious. Like they don't, they don't. No, nobody stands out. Nobody pops out, bro. You, you were know, spot on, you, when, when you when you're watching them. So you were spot on. And when I went and looked, I said to myself, "There's not a name on this damn list to me in terms of their starters or the guys that regularly play." I went and looked. Mm -hmm. And it ain't nobody that's testing high right now. All these guys are going to be four-year guys because they're not that good. Who's a four-year guy in college when they're when they're awesome? Right. Not one of them. You're right. So you were spot on, and this is why I said I can't do a show without this guy because this guy says stuff to me that I don't I don't even say to myself. He brings up stuff out of me. Maybe you say, God damn, where my, where my notebook at? Let me look at this. He wrong. He can't be, damn, this dude is right. So that's why I appreciate you, man. That's why I don't like doing the show by myself anymore. I could do a show by myself, but I don't like doing it by myself because of you. We're going to be the same. We need each other. We got to bounce, bounce off each other for it to have the dynamic that it has. Wouldn't be the so, same if either one of us was doing the show solo. So. But, you know, we need to go ahead and wrap this boy yeah, up for this wrap. week. Let's go ahead and wrap. Um, you um, can catch us on various streaming platforms, Spotify, Anchor, um, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Um, you can also catch us on um, YouTube at Two Guys in a Mic 216, Facebook, Two Guys in a Mic 216. 
and Instagram. Two guys. Like and subscribe, y'all. Two like and six. And subscribe. Yeah, and click Come that bell thing. Right. So um you have anything else that you need to add today? No, nah, we good, man. Um long live the Coliseum. Oh, uh, Richfield Coliseum, you got your throwback stuff on today? Yeah, I got my throwback stuff on today. Long live the Coliseum, long live the Cleveland Indians. I know we're getting ready to change. We passed that 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 moment right now because we're getting ready to get to the end of the baseball season. But I'm, I'm Indians all day. I look at it like I've looked at everything else. I call a progressive field Jacobs Field. I call the field house. I call it. Uh, the gun. I'm probably always going to call the Indians the Indians. Uh, go Guardians. Uh, however, y'all still the Indians to me. Basically. All right, man. So let's go ahead and get out of here, man. Hope you have a good rest of your week, and I'll see you Sunday. Right, uh, we'll be back with our post-game show on Sunday. Love you, bro. Peace out, right, Yeah. You've just listened to Two Guys in a Mic with Ron Pierce and Sean Davis. Tune in to us on Sunday after the NFL games for our next podcast. Until then, peace.